Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. again today you guys oh man it is so good to be here with you today this is the day of days the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and uh, if you're brand new my name is Brian I'm one of the somebody's excited I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Brian I'm one of the pastors here at ACF and uh, you guys, we have been looking forward to this for uh, so long, just getting together with you. Doesn't it feel sort of like a family reunion? Uh, we normally have four different gatherings, but this morning we only have two. So you get to see people that maybe you haven't rubbed shoulders with before. But I want to stop before we do anything and thank everybody who set this whole thing up. Can we thank them for serving? Lots of energy and, and blood, sweat, and I swear to you, some tears were shed setting this whole thing up. So uh, we're so grateful for all of our teams that have been part of this season of life for us as a church. We are closing out today a, a series called Grave Digger. And this has been a conversation about shame. And, and if you're new to ACF, I encourage you to get on our, our app or on our website. You can watch those messages there. Uh, but we start off by saying that all of us have, have experienced shame in our lives. It's affected every single one of us, and it's actually stealing life and joy from us. We were never meant to live with shame. Today, we are calling grave robber because Jesus robs us out of the grave that we found ourselves in. No more sin, no more shame. Jesus sets us free. And that's what Resurrection Sunday is really all about. Yeah, we can celebrate that today. So good. So good. Before we move too far forward, I want to invite you back next week as well. Last year, uh, coming out of Easter, we launched into a new series called God Problems. And the idea was that we would just sort of talk about what you want to talk about. What are the questions you have about God? What are the problems that you have about God? And then we just thought we'd spend five or six weeks discussing those. And we didn't have anywhere near enough time. It turns out that all of us, we've got a lot of God problems. And so what we decided to do is we're going to do that again this year. Is then next week, we're going to launch into this new 
new series. It's going to be a conversation. If you're the kind of person that has had some real adult questions about the faith, but maybe people have given you Sunday school answers to those questions, this is the right series for you, the right conversation for you to be a part of. And so if you've got your doubts about God, your doubts about even the resurrection, we want to invite you back uh, next week for that conversation right here in this place. And I also want to acknowledge here and lay my cards on the table a little bit. Um, it's Easter Sunday, which means that um, this is a really blended group. Uh, we are a church for the church, the unchurched, and the de-churched, but especially on Easter Sunday, here's what I know. Um, I know that some of you are doing a favor for your wife today um, by being here. I know that some of you want to just show mom some love, and mom's like, okay, if you can give me a present on Easter, just, just come to church, right? And so you're just showing mom some love today. Uh, I just know that people on Easter Sunday of all Sundays are here for a lot of different reasons. And what I want to start off with is just letting you know that today is a huge day for us as believers in Jesus. Like, this is not like a, a celebration that spring has sprung. Um, this is not, you know, the, the bunny thing and the, the, the you know, the, the chocolate thing. This is not like breakup in Alaska celebration Sunday. This is Easter Sunday, and it's about Jesus. And, and it's just to lay my cards on the table, we really believe this. Uh, we, we believe that this is not a fairy tale, but that Jesus is actually, he's a man who lived. And historically, he was a man who lived. And that he died, and we, we can see this, there's not a lot of argument about Jesus dying on a cross. But we also believe, as we look at the evidence, that Jesus is actually alive today. We actually believe that it's the most reasonable thing to believe. That Jesus actually is resurrected from the dead. That I, I would even say that it probably takes a, a greater step of faith to say that he wasn't resurrected from the dead. As we study and see and look at history and what happened in the first century and the explosion of the church. But today I want to I take a step forward and acknowledge that, that Easter is huge. Easter is really the hinge that, in, that our entire faith rests on. I mean really Christianity matter, doesn't matter at all without Easter. Um, in fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Do you guys get that? Like, if Jesus isn't actually alive, then he was just sort of like, like a mentally unstable Jewish rabbi spreading a lot of fake news to people who needed good news. That's the truth. That, that this is just all a big sham. It's a big lie if the resurrection isn't real. But if it's real, it changes everything. And it's a party. It's a celebration. You guys, we're not going to sit here and, and, and this is not going to be a silent, quiet gathering. We're going to celebrate and party it up because Jesus really is alive. And this is one of a, a few major celebrations in the church this time of year. And so if you were here a few days ago or at ACF Church, we, uh, we celebrated Good Friday. And Good Friday really is a good day. It's, it's a great day. It's a celebration of what Jesus did for us on the cross and then we celebrate Easter Sunday, which is the resurrection of Jesus. But depending on your church background, um, some of you have celebrated another holiday in between, and that's called Holy Saturday. Anybody ever celebrated Holy Saturday before? A few of you from maybe more liturgical church background. And Holy Saturday is really about the day in between. It's this day that, you know, that Jesus went to the cross, that he died, this brutal, 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 I put two words together, this brutal and somewhat beautiful, horrific, really, death on the cross, and, and, and death is still in the air, but, but Sunday is coming, right? And so this, this really strange in-between day, and I want to talk about Saturday a little bit today, because that's really where we live our lives, isn't it? We live in this tension 
where we, we celebrate on Easter Sunday, he, Jesus is alive, we can be alive, and at the same time, we all struggle in so many different ways. There's so much death, right? There's so much loss. And in fact, I was just watching the news, there was a, a bombing in Sri Lanka, right, today. Um, hundreds of people dead on Easter Sunday. And so we look at that and we go, man, this can't be how it's supposed to be. This can't be how the story ends, and if that's your thought, and if that's your fear, I want you to know there is good news. That is not how the story ends. It continues on. But I want to ask this question, where were Jesus' closest friends on Saturday? What were they thinking on Saturday as they experienced the death of their friend, the death of their leader? Well, we read this in John 20, 19. It says, on the evening of that day, this is Easter Sunday, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And so here's what's going on. The disciples, after the, the death of Jesus, they thought they'd lost everything, right? The Messiah was supposed to come, was supposed to come in power, overthrow the, the Roman Empire, and Jesus came in on a donkey, right? Not this, 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 this steed, you know, like a, like, a, like a king. He came in on a donkey in humility, and then he's arrested. And so just a week ago, these disciples, they were, they were famous by association. They were rock stars like Jesus entering into the city, everybody screaming, Hosanna, right? He's coming to save us. And then just a week later, he's crucified. And, and so they are, they're struggling, and they're, they're, they're scared, and they're hiding in this room together. They're hiding together because they, they wonder, what will happen to us? So they're probably thinking, what's happened to Jesus will surely happen to us. I mean, I mean, surely we will be strung up on a cross, too. Surely because we're associated with this, this Jesus person who is inciting riots all over town, surely we will experience the same thing that happened to him. If I were to describe them in this moment, I would describe them with one word, fear. That Jesus' closest friends after the crucifixion were filled with fear on Saturday. I'm sure they were scared about what would come for them. And here's what I know is that most of us live life on Saturday. Most of us in this room deal with fear in one way or another. I was reading this week that, uh, do you know that anxiety is the number one mental illness of the day? Anxiety. And in fact, in 2017, Barnes & Noble saw a 25% increase in their sales of books about how to deal with anxiety in one year. One year. And so we as a society, we are anxious, we are fearful, we are scared, which is interesting because we also sort of dabble in fear, don't we? We also kind of play around with it. I remember as a kid, I used to watch the Friday the 13th movies. Anybody want to admit that you used to back in the day watch these like nasty, gory Friday? I loved them because they were so fake, right? There's nothing real about that. It's just like the surgical tubing sticking out of the neck and the fake blood. It was just, I loved it. My mom hated them. But I'd go to my friend's to watch, house to watch these, these horrible movies, right? And then a few years ago, my wife and I, we got into The Walking Dead. Anybody still watch that show? That ship has sort of sailed, hasn't it? So we, we, we were into The Walking Dead when it was huge and watching it every single week until this one episode, which if you're a Walking Dead person, you might know of this one terrible, gory episode where it just turned into a lot of death and uh, there was Negan and Glenn and a baseball bat. I'm not going to tell you about it, but it was terrible. And I literally shut it off and I said, we're done. It's just too real, Right? It's just way too real. I don't want to think about that. And here's the truth about us, is that we don't really like fear. We like to dabble in it, but when it gets too real, we don't want anything to do with it. But for most of us, fear is a very real thing, right? I mean, you walked in here with some fears in your life. 
I mean, maybe you have fear of your future. Where will I go to college? What will I do? What about my retirement? How am I going to take care of my family? Maybe you've got fear for your safety. Uh, I know some of you, like, spend 24-7 on the Eagle River Crime Watch, you know, Facebook page, and you're just freaked out about all the things that are going on. And it's valid stuff, but there's fear that's going on there. Some of you have fear of your relationships. You're worried, are, are my husband and, and me going to make it through another, another year like this? We're struggling. Or my kids and I, we're, we're struggling. There's fear of what will happen. Even location, where am I going to live? Where am I going to go? What's going to happen next? And so here's what I want to ask you as a society that, that lives in constant fear is simply this. What's keeping us from living like it's Sunday when life gives us Saturday? Because can we just admit that Easter Sunday, it's great, and we're going to sing, we're going to clap, we're going to celebrate this, but Monday's coming, right? And, 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 and then Tuesday, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, and we're going to get back to real life. And the, all of these days represent really what was going on in between the cross and the resurrection. On, on, on Saturday, there was this feeling of, of fear in the crowd. What if Jesus wasn't the real deal? What if we've just bought into a lie? What if there is no God? We've just been wasting our time. I think most of us live in this fear, and we have this sense that we weren't supposed to live this way, that the world's supposed to be different than it is. In fact, a big thing on the news here over the last week um, was the cathedral that burned down in Notre Dame. Have you guys seen this? This building was 850 years old, and it just, it's ashes, right? And I'm seeing, I'm seeing on Instagram and Facebook people talking about this place, posting pictures of them at this place, that people that I didn't know had any interest in the history of the church. But this place is just this amazing relic, one of the most highly visited places in Europe uh, to, to talk about the church. And so, I mean, we look at this, and when it burns down, we all go, oh my goodness, it just shouldn't be. It shouldn't have happened. Like, like this place should continue on. Something that old should live on and this is just a picture of the discomfort that we have when we realize that really all of us are headed towards death, that every human being will one day face death. Everything in the world is temporary, right? This feeling that even the things that we invest in one day will be dust, right? Uh, this occurred to me um, a couple of weeks ago. We had some friends at our house. And we were just hanging out, having dinner, listening to some music. We had the 90s party playlist going on Spotify and we were just like having a blast kids are dancing and like like somewhere in the middle of jump around by Cypress Hill if I'm dating myself somewhere in the middle of that it occurred to me that the 90s were 19 years ago right like who feels old right now anybody else I'm just I was like oh my gosh I'm almost dead it's just death is coming for me 19 years ago and it, it changes because in your 20s you're just in denial right you're just like no I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna live forever then you hit your 30s and denial kind of turns into damage control and now you start trying to eat the, do the keto diet and cut out the carbs and you're rubbing like essential oils all over this right we just make this last a little bit longer I'll be okay but we know we know none of it's really gonna do what we hope it will do and if we're honest we fear we fear, just like the disciples, that what's happened to Jesus will surely happen to us. And you might be like, well, I don't know that I'm going to get strung up on a cross. I don't know that I'm going to have crowds screaming, screaming uh, crucify him, or nails going through my hands. I don't know that that's going to happen to me. But surely, here's what you need to know, surely death, surely loss 
Uh, Everyone in this room that you are either headed into a season of loss, in the middle of a season of loss, or coming out of a season of loss and headed towards another one, right? You're like, happy Easter, Brian. Thank you so much. But this is just the reality of the world that we live in, that we struggle with loss. And we have this sense that this just wasn't how it was meant to be. And I just want you to know that this is not how God intended it to be. We've talked for a few weeks that God created us perfect and and healthy in the world, just in perfect harmony. There was no death. There was no fear. And when sin entered the world, and as sin enters our lives, what we experience is fear. The fear of death, the fear of loss. And so I want to ask you today, if you've ever considered loss, or you've ever considered what it might be like, I want to ask you, what would you do if everything was taken from you? Like, what would you really do if everything was taken from you? How would you respond in that moment? Some of you are in that moment right now. And you're getting a sense of kind of where your heart's at with God and with, with this life. And you're having to deal with these deep, deep questions about your existence. There's this, this important story, this moment in the life of Jesus, where his friend, his good friend Lazarus, he dies And his other friend, Martha, she comes and she's like, Jesus, where were you? I called for you. You didn't heal Lazarus. He's dead. So even his closest friends are like, man, Jesus, you've got power, certainly. I mean, you're a great teacher. I've seen you work some miracles, but I don't know that you can resurrect Lazarus from the dead. It it just may be way too late for Lazarus. And so she's upset with Jesus. She comes to him, and this is Jesus' response to Martha. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this really important question. Do you believe this? I want to ask you today, do you really believe this? Because it's interesting that he had to ask Martha if she believed that Jesus was who he said he was. It's interesting, shouldn't she have known this all along? Well, well certainly, but, but death has a way of causing us to deal with these deep, deep questions about ourselves, doesn't it? And I want to share a story of a, a friend of mine who experienced a lot of loss in his life. And when I encountered his story, I just really felt like I wanted to share it with you this Easter morning because it's a perfect picture of how loss and death can actually lead to resurrection. So check out Blake's story. Let's just start, uh, introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Blake Eddies. I've been in Alaska since 94. I separated from the active duty Air Force after 10 and a half years, and I knew if I ever got to Alaska, this is the place I would probably stay. And here I am 25 years later. start over here in the trail and I walk you towards the cabin and it kind of opens up. This is the original cabin and there's been improvements made to it. I put new floor in it, jacked it up, new stove, new plumbing and this is what we used. Uh, Probably the first thing I did was pour down the old outhouse and build a new outhouse. Uh, Priorities. Yes, priorities. 
And then uh, over time, I took a little bit of time to decide how I wanted to lay the property out. And as you can see, there's a lot more buildings now than just this original cabin. And it took about 14 years to build it the way it is now. I like to build, you can tell, but I also like to disconnect. This is off the grid. There's no television sets. There's no computers. Yeah. I mean, it's a sanctuary. In 2012, a friend of mine came down just to get, it was in November, just to get stuff ready for the trapping season, it opens up in November. And we took the boat upriver and, and uh, to an area that we had planned on trapping and, and that's, that's when I had my accident. So I had set up my snares in this area and I was just walking back and I got to right about here and I hear the uh, a brown bear wolfed at me and I turned and the bear was on the other side of this stuff. I could see the total profile and it looked like a great big male. So I got squared up with it, got my arms up and I just yelled, yelled at it so it knew I was human and it paused and then it faced me and then it came up off the ground on its hind legs, put its head back and gave a big roar. And then it hit the ground and started coming. The bear turned that corner, came off the ground. I jumped and came off my left foot and stepped inside. A big brown blur shot past me. As it went by, the bear rotated and reached behind with its far arm and hooked my left thigh. But what doesn't make any sense was the claw, it started from the front and ripped back. It came out and jumped over top of my uh, artery and vein, reinserted and finished cutting around the back. Had it gone right through, I would have been dead probably in 15 seconds. And then uh, I was on the ground. So I sat up right into the mouth of the bear and my entire head was in its mouth. Uh, the top canines were on the back of my head and the, the bottom teeth had me hooked underneath the jaw and I couldn't get my head out of the mouth. Finally, it relaxed the bite enough that I was able to pull my head out just and as it did that, uh, the uh, canines came down and cut through my forehead and took my nose off and ripped this open and I thought I lost that eye because when that flap came down it filled that eye up with blood. I could still see on the left, I could see on the right eye. And it, it kept working on me and I'm getting lower and lower until I'm all the way on my back. Uh, the bear bites my left or my right knee. So much pressure that it shattered my uh, fibula and his mouth's open, it's dripping blood, uh, my blood, and then it just explodes off the ground and gives me a double chest pump on my sternum. Uh, it didn't break anything, and that wounded me, and I had nothing left in the tank. Uh, the bear got really close, just inches in my face, and just stared at me. I didn't move, and it turned and walked that direction. The whole 
ordeal lasted not more than probably two minutes. Um, um, the result of that being my left quadricep was severed down to the femur, my right fibula was uh, fractured, significant wounds in my face, my nose was almost removed and hanging by the right nostril, uh, and then other scars just throughout my body. Uh, I had to walk out of that with the help of my friend and was um, made it to an ambulance and then was life flighted from Central Peninsula Hospital up to Anchorage. See, in uh, 2012, watch up, Porter. I'm just thinking about Kathleen. I dated her from my sophomore year in high school. All through my college years at the uh, Air Force Academy, got married soon after. She was the president of the Alaska Nurses Association. Uh, she had some work injuries that uh, caused her health to deteriorate pretty rapidly uh, to the point that she uh, didn't get out of the house much. Her blood pressure would drop all the time. And I had to go shopping, go grocery shopping and do some other stuff. And uh, when I got home, uh, so I came in the, the door, I said something to her and there was no response. And I carried groceries upstairs and I saw that she was, uh, she was not conscious. Uh, she had passed out before and had other issues and I had revived her a few times in the previous couple of years. And I, I worked on her for a while and, and uh, called 911. And the um, responding paramedic turns out to be a friend of mine. Eric helped me work on her for a little bit, and he, he finally said, Blake, she's gone. I just held her. I held her for probably an hour. until they had to take her. Uh, one week later then I had my mom was in town and my friends were kind of surrounding me to keep an eye on me um, after Kathleen had passed and came down to the cabin uh, to just get some quiet time while we were down here. The, the Funny River fire was getting closer and closer to the point that it took action. In southern Alaska today, a wind-whipped fire has burned nearly 250 square miles in the Kenai Peninsula. CNN reports officials have now ordered evacuations of 1,000 structures in the area after authorities worried about the safety of people traveling for the Memorial Day weekend. So I had friends bringing pumps down and, and I, I was saturating the ground pretty well. 
and I talked to, I mean, flying, we'd go up and fly and look at it and see where it's coming. So we were flooding the back, the fire was coming from the south, flooding the back area, and we were working on it for a few days, and the fire's getting closer. I was back cutting, and you could hear this roaring, like an airplane roaring, a jet engine sound. And you could look up and you could see just a wall of, of black. So a friend of mine, I said, can you go down the trail and see how close this is? And he was gone for about five minutes and he came running back and he said, we have to go. I didn't think there was any chance at all this was gonna survive. It was, uh, it was just all consuming. And where we stood on the far bank, you could watch it. It was as if uh, the flames were determined to hit this particular piece of property. This place is more than just a bunch of buildings. You, you, I couldn't replace it. I, I don't think I'd have the energy to replace it. And if everything was just incinerated, I don't know that I'd, I would even try. Right. I'd put everything into this. And at this point, I'm thinking, it's gone and it's just stuff though. Yeah. It, it's, it means a lot to me, but everybody got out safe right. and it's stuff. But it was just one more loss. Hmm. Everybody wanted to come back and look at the place and see what, what was going on. And I took one person with me because I didn't want to jeopardize anybody. And we came and there were fires, small fires burning around inside the perimeter. Everything outside was gone. At the end, there was not one structure that was even cinched, nothing. This is about where the flame stopped. And you can see this side of the tree is untouched. Uh, there's no char or anything. And the fire came from that direction. And if you look to the other side, it's just incinerated, like if somebody had a blowtorch on it. And then for 26 miles, everything is gone. Wow. So it's headed towards the river, and it engulfed everything around here, except for this little piece of property. Yes, the postage stamp. Incredible. It might seem counterintuitive, but the fire actually kind of renewed my faith. That's essentially a rebirth in that I, I want to be a better man than I was in the past and not to dwell on things in the past that I can't change, but the wake up of look at everything that you still do have in front of you and to appreciate that. That was the catalyst for renewing my faith. thank Blake for sharing his story. Man, I highly underestimated how emotional that would be watching that with you guys. Um, Matthew 27, verse 45. It says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever been there? One of the statements that sticks out uh, that he makes is, it was just one more thing. Some of you are in a moment like that where you're just like, really, God? Are you serious? Like, well, like one more thing. I mean, could you just pour it on any, any harder than you have, right? And I want you to know that to be a Christian isn't to stick your head in the sand. I think there's sort of an understanding or maybe a, a feeling that if you're a Christian, you act like the world isn't broken. When instead, I want to tell you, it's actually a requirement to be a follower of Jesus to understand just how broken the world is. You actually have to be very in tune and aware of, of just how, how broken we are as people and how broken the world around us is. In fact, one of my favorite verses, you're going to think this is morbid and weird, um, but this is one of my favorite verses. Ecclesiastes 7.2 says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Right? You're like, seriously, Brian, not like Philippians 4.13, like Tebow? No. For me, it's Ecclesiastes 7.2. Because honestly, I do a lot of weddings. I go to weddings. Weddings are great. Uh, everybody's dressed up nice. They've all got their tuxes on. And, and if you've got like an issue with Aunt Susan, you don't bring it out at the wedding. It's just not the right time. And everybody, it's going to be, they're going to get married. Everybody's going to celebrate. And they're going to live happily ever after, right? So that's the, that's the thing we do at weddings. But I'll tell you... Um, Again, I know this is strange, but I love a good funeral. I do. Um, funerals have this way of just bringing out honesty, right? It just, people are who they are at a funeral. And at a funeral, you get a sense of the life someone actually lived. In fact, I was part of one funeral um, that was really difficult because you watched the family work really hard to say some good things about the man who is no longer with us. And so it, it's interesting. Death has a way of distilling people down to who they really are, doesn't it? It sort of distills us down. It shows us who we really are. And some of you are like, you're watching Blake and you're like, are you serious? Um, that led him to Jesus and not away from it. Because can we just be honest? I mean, for me, when I'm listening, I'm going, I don't know uh, what I would do. I'd like to believe that I would lean in and that I would love God and, and, and lean into his people. But, but I, I might walk away, right? I, I wonder, how, how would I do in that moment? Some of you might have had that same question as you watched that. But what's beautiful about that, no matter where you're at, no matter how strong your faith is or how weak your faith is today, is the part of the story that's this little postage stamp of property. Did you see that? 26 miles of desolation and this little piece of property that remains. And I want you to know that that is always how God works. That there might be desolation and loss and pain and sorrow, but there is always something that's left. And as we look at the story of God's people after sin enters the world, it's, it's God constantly pouring out his grace and people receiving it for a moment and then turning their faces from God and walking away and worshiping other gods. But there was always what's called this remnant of faithful people, this small group of faithful people who continued to pursue God for love of God instead of pursuing God to get something from him. And through that small remnant of people, God would rebuild his nation. He would rebuild his people. And the same is true in our lives. As we walk through loss, as we walk through maybe the, 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 the reality of our greatest fears coming to light, God uses that moment in the hardest times to draw life 
in, out of us and draw us into new life. And what I want you to know is this, no matter how much faith you have left, whatever remains of your faith is more than enough for Jesus to resurrect your life. Amen? I mean, no matter how much you feel like, Brian, I don't bring a lot to the table today. Good news, Jesus already brought everything to the table. Jesus already brought him, his whole self to the table. He gave everything for you and I. And so if you're here and you're like, my faith is small, you are in the right place for Jesus to resurrect your life. You're in just the perfect place for Jesus to, to heal you and for you to stand in the love of Jesus. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so here's what I want you to do is take an inventory of your life. Has fear overcome you? Do you have a life that's sort of full of anxiety and fear? And what I want you to know is where there is fear, there is not the perfect love of Christ. In fact, when we fear, we actually question the perfection of God's love. And again, you might be like, well, how do I know his love's perfect? How do I know he's going to take care of me and he's going to care for me? Have you seen the cross? Have you seen what God has done for you? Because as Jesus said, there's no greater love than this, than, than one who would lay down their life for a friend, right? So we know God is, is the one with the greatest, most perfect love, and his perfect love casts out fear. It actually gets rid of our fear. When we believe in his love and we see it for what it is, there is no fear for us. I want to ask a question. Anybody here been in Alaska for less than a year? Raise your hand real quick. Anybody been here? A few of you guys? Um, I want to introduce you to your new best friend. Can we put that? There it is. This is your new best friend. The Alaskans are laughing because they know what's up, right? I've got cans of this everywhere, right? It's in my truck. It's in my backpack. It's, at the, it's all over the place. And I learned the first year, man, that the mosquitoes are terrible in Alaska, just absolutely terrible. So you've got to keep something on you to get rid of them. And fear is sort of this thing that just keeps kind of walking its way in, into our lives. And we, we find it in places we didn't even know it could exist. But what the perfect love of God does it, is it actually repels fear. When you actually know God's love and believe his love in light of the cross and in light of the resurrection of Jesus, it casts out fear. You get a bad diagnosis, God loves you. And he can deal with your fear. You've got a broken marriage. God loves you. Not an imperfect love like our love, but a perfect love. Another financial crisis in your life? Well, God loves you. And I mean that in such a way that that should shape the way you see every challenge and every loss and every death that you encounter in your life. And when you do, when my fear collides with the truth of God's love, what I experience is peace. I mean, don't you want, anybody here want some peace? I mean, don't you just want to feel peace amidst all that you see on the news and all that's going on around you? When we know God's love for what it is, we experience peace. And instead of fearing death, we can walk through it. We can walk through death. You see, just like Blake, death is the beginning of our own resurrection. There's a, a real death that we absolutely must experience so that we can experience new life. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and did what? Gave up himself for me. Because that's how we know what love is. That Jesus died 
for us. You see, here's the problem. We want resurrection without crucifixion. We want life, but we don't want to go through death. And I want you to know this, and I've said this before, that the more you make life about yourself, the more fear you will have. How did Jesus live so fearless? He was fully man. How could he have gone to the cross? How could he have encountered death and had all of our sins poured upon himself? Because his life and his energy and his heart and soul was focused entirely, 100% on you. That's why he could go through it without fear. Jesus never feared. Know this. He never feared. He had sorrow. He had grief. And even in that moment before he died, he asked that there would be another way. But he never feared because he knew the perfect love of his father. He knew he loved him. He knew resurrection was coming for him. And once you are crucified with Christ, once you give up your selfishness and you say, I'm going to surrender to Jesus, once you go through death, you can walk through anything. You know that? Have you ever met somebody who's gone through some junk and you're like, man, they have this way of seeing the world. They have this way of encountering problems that is just mind-boggling. It's like it doesn't affect them the same way, but it's because of what they've gone through. And when you actually allow Jesus to rip out your pride and rip out your selfishness and take away your religious behavior and replace it with his righteousness fully bought on the cross, you can live fearless. And that is the promise of what we can receive in Jesus. Another dip in the stock market, another conflict with your wife, another issue with your kids, another addiction. You can have no fear because of the perfect love of Christ. And so I want to give you an invitation. And we do this every Easter. Some of you have probably seen this a few times. But we want to give you an invitation to take a step forward. To not simply know about the love of Christ, but to actually receive it. Uh, my, uh, my little boy, uh, he, uh, he came home the other day and he wanted to tell us some big news. So he sat us down. He's like, hey, mom and dad. He's seven. He's like, I've got a girlfriend. And I'm just like, come on, right? You're seven, son. You should just be kind of worried about, you know, keeping your Lunchables and, you know, doing your homework. Like, seriously, you got a girl? He's like, yeah, I got, got a girlfriend. And my wife asked this brilliant question. She said, does she know that? And he goes, well, no. (laughs) And we're like, well, that's not how it works, son. It takes two people to create a relationship, right? See, I'm worried that some of you in the room have heard that God loves you, and they haven't told you anything else. And I want you to know that God does love you. And that love was perfectly displayed on the cross. But I want you to know that you are not in his love until you receive it and reciprocate it. You are not in the love of Christ until you receive the truth that we actually have to be crucified with him and give up ourselves. And in that very moment that we make that decision, in the very moment that we give up ourselves to death, Jesus resurrects us to to, to new life. He brings us peace, the peace that we asked for and the peace that we deserve and need in Christ Jesus. And so here's the deal. I want to invite you to take a step. There's a little card on your seat. And if something's speaking to you you tonight, if there's something in in your heart that says, man, this is the real deal, I want to leave here knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm in the hands of my God, I want you to fill out that little card. And I want you to just write your name on it. And in a few minutes, we're going to pass some baskets and you can just drop that in. And that will be a symbol for you to remember for the rest of your life, the day 
of Easter 2019, you made a decision to follow Jesus and your life was never the same. And you need to know this, it's not a magic sheet of paper, there's nothing special about it. We just want to get you some information, to, to give you some next steps to take, and we just honestly want to celebrate and party it up because every time one of you makes a decision to follow Jesus, we believe that there's just a celebration in heaven. And so we believe there should be a celebration here on earth. And so I want to encourage you to say yes to Jesus. I also want to say this, that there is no neutrality in the kingdom of God. And so if you're going to leave here and you're like, man, I just, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say yes to Jesus, understand that that's to say no to Jesus. And so as much as I want to ask you and invite you, do you want to say yes to Jesus? I also want to ask you, are you even ready to walk out of here and say no to Jesus? And my heart and our heart for you, why ACF Church exists, is that everyone in our city would experience the hope of Jesus. That he would actually rob all of the graves of our lives and give us resurrection and lead us into the hope that Jesus offers to us. So would you stand up? I want to pray for us. and I want to give you that opportunity just to pray this prayer of salvation together. Jesus, thank you so much for the cross. Thank you that you meet us where we are and that, ah, oh, Jesus, you are a man of sorrows, aware of the suffering that we experience. So aware of it, God, that you experienced it yourself. And so today, God, together as a community, we commit our hearts to you. Father, first that we would lay down our selfishness and our pride that we would lay down the part of us that thinks that we can please God or impress you with our good behavior. Father, if we could do that, we know the cross wouldn't be necessary. But you died for us because we couldn't save ourselves. So Father, we, we receive that. We want to die to ourselves and receive the new life that you offer us in Jesus. We know that we'll blow it sometimes. We know that we're going to need the grace of others around us to help us take next steps in you. We know that we can't do this alone. We need your spirit within us to convict us, to challenge us, and to help us understand your heart for our lives. But thank you, God, that you promised that to us. That as we choose to be faithful to you, God, you will always be faithful to us. Today we celebrate that you're alive and you're alive in us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate new life in Christ today for those who made that decision? Amen.